imagine there are many ways for you to answer that question. You might say, oh yes, I'm a teacher, I'm an accountant, I work in the office, or um, I'm a mum, or a dad, I'm a wife, um, I'm a, maybe you might say I'm a mum, or a daughter, or a son. Or, so there's loads of different ways, isn't there, that we can answer that question. Maybe you're on a journey and you don't actually know some of those things in your life. But this morning, when I ask that question, I'd like you to consider who you are in relation to to God. What would your answer be? Knowing you in relation to God will affect how you feel. If you know who you are in God, it will affect how you behave. It will affect how you act. And so this is actually a really good question that we can ask ourselves. Um, Do you know who you are? So I'm going to read from a passage um, in 1 John 3, verse 1 to 10. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him, dear friends. Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we will know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or know him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remain in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Because anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Wow, what a passage that is. It's really challenging, isn't it? It's really thought-provoking and... um, It's really helpful just to to read what the scriptures say about who we are in God. But isn't it amazing what it says about how God lavishes his love on us, that he calls us his children? The way God lavishes his love is saying, you are my child. That is so wonderful. He lavishes his love. What an amazing word. His love is lavished upon you that he would He'd call you his child. Pass me a drink, thanks. I'll open it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who you are? This morning, can you confidently say, 
I am a child of God. The Father's love for us is so wonderful. It's so wonderful. He calls us his children. He calls us his, his own. He receives us to be part of his family. Just let that sink in for a moment. Let that amaze you and fill you with wonder. The love of God lavished upon you that he makes you his child. You know, we as imperfect humans, we feel this sense of protection towards children, don't we? we when we see even baby animals, what is that? We see baby animals, like we think, oh, so cute, I want to protect them, I want to like cuddle them and nurture them. And, you know, and as humans, when we see babies, we, there is a sense of protection that we have when we see them, when we see children. We want to see children dancing around and having fun. We want to see children feeling full of life. We want children to, to be children, to, to have that innocence of what it is to be a child. And this intensifies when we have our own children. We long for our own children to know that sense of joy and happiness and that sense of security. And the perfect God of heaven, the God of the universe, the one who holds everything together in his hands, calls you, me, his sons and daughters, his children. If you ever said to Jesus, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life, then the spirit of the living God is in you. And he lavishes his love on you, calling you his children. You becoming a child of God is God lavishing his love on you. It would have been enough to know that we're forgiven. It would have been enough to know that, that God is going to heal me and restore me and give me a clean slate. It would have been enough to have his spirit helping me and guiding me and giving me wisdom and strength to live this life. It would have been enough to, to begin an eternal life in heaven. It would have been enough that he would send his one and only begotten son to, to die for my sins so that I would know that forgiveness. In fact, all of those things would have been enough to convince us that God loves us. And any one of those would have been more than enough to convince us of his love towards us. But the God of abundance loves us so much that he would call us his children, call us his own. But the God of abundance loves us so much that he would want us to know that. He would want us to live in that. Paul puts it like this in his letter to the Romans in chapter 8. Um, Romans 8 verse 14 to 17 says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Abba, Father. We have a Father in heaven who we can call Abba. 
We are children. We are co-heirs with Jesus. Jesus, God's begotten Son. We are not saved from sin and death to be a slave to God in heaven. He adopts us into his family to be his children. Have you ever heard some people say, do you know who I am? And it's normally someone who, who's like feeling like, oh, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know all the things that I have done. I am, you know, I want you to treat me with respect. I want you to, to see all these different things about me and um, put me in high esteem. And, and sometimes it can be quite embarrassing, can't it, when people say, do you know who I am? It can sound a bit conceited and full of pride. Do you know who I am? But this passage in 1 John 3 and in Romans 8, do you know who you are? That's what it's saying. It's saying that you are a child of God. Do you know who you are? Do you know what it means to be a child of God? You are somebody. You're not to be conceited or full of pride, but you can certainly be confident of knowing that you are a child of God. Being a child of God is so much more than having Abba in heaven, which is wonderful in and of itself, that we can come to the creator of heaven and earth and say, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, I need you right now. But there is so much more than that. You know that we are part of God's redemptive plan as his children to come into this world, to make a difference in this world as his children. And he wants his sons and daughters to be revealed. And it talks about this in Romans 8, 19 to 21. It says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation that God created is waiting in eager expectation for you as the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought about into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation is waiting for your glory to be revealed. Your glory is the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Your impact as a child of God is greater than you can actually understand or imagine. Our position as children of God being revealed brings freedom to all of creation. I don't even know if I've truly got this sorted in my head. I don't know if I even really fully understand what that actually means. But I don't want to take it for granted But being a child of God actually means so much more than what I actually know or can imagine. And I want to know, God, what does it mean for me to be your child? What does it mean for me to be your child in this world, in relationship with you, in relationship to the people around me, in relationship to my other brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus? What does that actually mean for me? Do you know who you are? You are a child of God and you have a purpose, a destiny that restores all of creation. Your sonship, daughtership is huge. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before. 
um, some encounters that we have as children of God can have some real big impacts on us, can't they? They can shape our our, um, lives in certain ways. And then there's this one time that I will never forget, and it had a real impact on my life. It gave me confidence in the wonder of God's amazing love towards me and others. When I was a debt coach many years ago, I went to visit this client in her home. And as we got talking, she started to complain about her life. Things in her life were really, really difficult. She was finding things really difficult with her, with her family. She was finding difficulties with her partner, with her health, with her finances. Everything was like going wrong in her life. And, and she, she was obviously in quite a lot of fear and distress as she was talking about this. And I said to her, well, you know, I'm a Christian, and when I feel like this, I pray and I ask God to help me and I feel his presence, and I know that he's with me, and he gives me peace. And, um, and I said, that might sound strange to you when I say that. And she goes, well, actually, she goes, it sounds lovely. She says, I wouldn't mind that myself, actually. So I said to her, well, would you like me to pray for you? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, what would you like me to pray for? She said, well, I just feel afraid all the time. I feel alone and just, just don't really know what to do and with different things. I just want to feel at peace. So I said, okay. So I prayed with her and I encouraged her and and I asked the Holy Spirit to encourage her. I asked the Lord to to give her peace and help her to know his presence in in the next few weeks and the weeks coming. And as I left, I I left her this little postcard that I had in my bag and it was a picture of a woman that was just sat in the midst of chaos. And she was like sat there. It was like this this awe around her was like peace, but there was all these other images and pictures in the postcard of like this chaos that was going on around her. And she was there, sat in the middle of it all, at peace. And I gave this picture to her, and she said, that's how I feel right now. Thank you for praying. And so I said to her, can I come and see you in a couple of weeks? And she said, yeah, 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 please come and see me in a couple of weeks. So so I did. I went back after a couple of weeks, and, and, and I saw the picture there on her mantelpiece, And she said to me, whenever I look at that picture, it gives me peace. It makes me feel everything is actually going to be okay. And so I said to her, you know, you can feel like that all the time without having a picture to look at. And she was like, really? (laughs) And I said, yes. I um, I said, I have a relationship with Jesus. And I asked Jesus to come into my life. And he goes with me wherever I go. And when I'm feeling afraid, when I'm feeling things are difficult or I feel upset or I feel challenged, I can pray and I can know his presence is right there with me. And um, and I prayed this prayer one time where I said to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to live my life for you. And um, and when I prayed that prayer, he came into my heart and into my life and and I, I felt a sense of peace, and I knew that it was with me. And he forgave me for trying to live my life my own way and has helped me ever since to, to walk with him. I said, would you like to pray that prayer? Would you like to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to come and to forgive you and to help you and give you strength and to guide you? And she said, yeah, I would like that, actually. So I prayed with her. And, um, 
um, and she and she prayed with me, and and then I started talking to her about maybe you know it'd be good to join a church. And she said, well, there's a local church down the road. I keep walking past, and something inside me keeps saying, oh, you should go in there. So go in there. She said, I'd like to go to that church. And I said, okay, that's really good. I said, you do that, and I'll come and visit you in a couple of weeks. So. Um, I phoned her um, after about a week or so, and there was no answer. And I kept leaving messages and saying, oh, you know, hello, it's me. You know, I'd love to come and visit you. When would be a good time? There was no answer. And so I was starting to think, oh, no, what's happened? This, maybe she's realized that I'm just some weirdo Christian, and she wants nothing to do with me. <laughs> and she's now blanking me, and I'm like, oh, no, what's going on? So I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to go around and I'm going to go and visit her and see, you know, what's going on. Because I am a bit worried, to be honest. So I went round, knocked on the door. There was no answer. So I left a note in her door um, saying, please call me. Hope everything's all right. Um, um, and all of that. Um, a couple of months later, I get a phone call. And I, I recognise the number. And it was, and it's this woman's number. So I answer the phone, and it's not her, it's her sister on the other side of the phone. And her sister says to me, um, Oh, how do you know my sister? So I explained who I was. I, I came to help her with some things, that, and, um, and I actually started to become friends with her, and I got to know her a little bit. I said, Why? She goes, Oh, she, um, she passed away a couple of months ago. And I said, Oh, Okay, that's why I've not heard from her. And she goes, well, I've noticed there's a lot of messages, and, and so I wanted to get back to you. I didn't know how you knew her, so I wanted to let you know that she's not with us anymore. And, well, <laughs> that really, really hit, hit me really, really hard. But, you know, in that I saw the goodness of God. I didn't know what, what was going to happen to her in the future, but God knew the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, saw her and wanted her to be his child, wanted her to come into a relationship with him. It, was, and it, just, and it turned out it was probably like a matter of days or a week of having received Jesus into her life that she passed away. This lady lived pretty much most of her life not knowing the safety and protection of a heavenly father. She'd only known chaos and struggles. And, and by the time I met with her, she was carrying a lot of pain and a lot of regret. But in her final moments, the Lord met with her and gave her peace and received her into the family as a daughter. I wonder if in her final moments, instead of fear of what was going to happen next, she felt that peace and love of God that we'd talked about together. Colossians 1, 22, 21 to 22 says this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, because now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. You know, we have all fallen short from 
being like Jesus, from being in relationship with God. We've alienated ourselves. But when we receive Jesus, we are no longer alienated from God. We are made holy. And he lavishes his love on us by making us his children. No longer do we, are we trapped in the fear of never being good enough, never having enough, never being clever enough, trapped in the fear of death and hopelessness itself. Sometimes when we forget who we are in God, when we forget the significance of being a child of God, we forget that we are no longer a slave who is trying to be accepted. In fear, we can be led astray to go back to trying to have more, trying to be someone, to be respected, to be admired. Do not be led astray by fear. Instead, let's remind ourselves when we start to be afraid, when we, are, when we feel uncertain, when we, we are hurting, when we are disappointed, that we are children of God. We have a destiny, a purpose, that we are made holy. When fear creeps in and asks, do you know who you are? You can say, yes, I'm a child of God. I am loved. I am accepted. I am enough. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, there is no love in fear, but perfect love drives out fear. Whatever you experience of your father in this life, it of your natural father in this life, it fades into insignificance compared to our heavenly father in heaven, who is perfect, who is perfect in the way he loves, he's perfect in the way he protects, he is perfect in the way he relates to us. He is your father in heaven. And we can approach him as our father. We can come towards him with confidence. Let him remind you of his love and forgiveness. The love your father has for you is more than you need to heal and protect your heart and mind. Maybe there are some people here today who have never experienced that love and acceptance that God freely gives to us. Maybe there are some people today who have only ever known that fear that comes from not knowing what the future holds, that fear of trying to be someone or otherwise being rejected. There, you know, there are so many uncertainties in this world, in this life. Often disappointments, there can be a lot waiting, there can be a lot of waiting for us. We're waiting for this next big thing and it just never really happens. Sometimes things don't go the way we would like. There are certainly many losses and pain in this life. And sometimes along with that is regrets and dashed dreams. But there is one thing that we can be certain of. That no matter what life throws at us, 
that through Jesus Christ, we are not alone. We have the spirit of the living God in us, and we have a future hope and eternal life, and that we have a Father in heaven that we can confidently approach and say, Abba, Father. <laughs> just let that just sink in and for a moment. Abba, Father, who lavished his love upon you and called you his child. What great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We have a relational God we call Abba, who is our heavenly Father. Makes, he makes us someone. You are a someone in the kingdom of God. You are part of God's grand plan. You are loved. You are a child of God. As a child, I had the privilege of growing up somewhere safe. I had a family who I knew would protect me and keep me safe to the best of their ability. I had a dad who I could snuggle up to and, and forget about what kind of day that I had and just enjoy the safety of being at home. The children we have prayed for today will also have that same wonderful privilege when I saw the parents come out and I saw the love that they have for their children. They will grow up knowing that sense of safety and protection in their family. Maybe as a parent, you have some hopes and dreams for your child. And with great sadness, we are all too familiar that with the knowledge that there are children, many children who grow up without that love, safety and protection, and someone on the sidelines cheering them on. We're, whether we have experienced real life, same, safe, warm family environment, or only pain and rejection, only in receiving Christ Jesus can we know that perfect love and acceptance that heals our heart and restores our souls and gives us purpose that goes beyond our wildest dreams. Do you know who you are? You can say, I am holy. You can say, I am being transformed to be like Christ. Can you picture yourself being sinless like Christ? It says in this passage in, in 1 John 3 that, that we are being transformed into him image, that we are going to become more like him. God has nothing to do with sin. You know, um, God gave the law to Moses to guide people of how to live a lawless life. But from the beginning of creation, from the moment God created all things, no humanity was able to live this life without sinning except for Jesus. Jesus was the only person that came as a human being and was able to live this life without sin. 
Jesus, God's own son, came down from heaven. He grew and he lived as a man and he lived without sin. The Bible says that he faced every temptation that we face and yet he did not sin. He paved the way for us to become God's holy children. Jesus, perfect in every way, took on our imperfections and sin upon himself, paying the price on the cross. Death could not keep Jesus down. He beat death and he rose from the grave, alive and well. And now he is in heaven, sat at the right hand of the Father, cheering us on, willing us to come and receive him and accepting us into into our life so that he can set us free from that sin, the sin that he took upon himself, that we are unable to live without sinning. He took that upon himself and said, come, receive me into your heart and life and know our God, our Heavenly Father, as your own Father, and come and be part of this family. When we turn away from God, it's like ours, it's like a big no-no. It's like I say, I can do this without you, God. If I don't, I don't need you, God, I can live my life without you. If we turn our back from God, it's like saying, God, I, I can do this on my own. But you know what? We can't do this on our own. You can try doing it on your own, and you find yourself in situations and difficulties and and places where you think, well, how did I get myself here? How did this happen? When we prioritize our own wants over seeking the things of God, over seeking the kingdom of God, we're basically giving God the cold shoulder, and the Bible calls that sin. We are rejecting God. We won't reach perfection until we're with Jesus up in heaven. However, there's supposed to be something different about our lives that proves to the world that we are in relationship with the Father. Things are supposed to change in us. We are supposed to grow. We are supposed to find ourselves in Jesus where we're becoming more and more like him. The choices that we make, the kind of relationships that we have, all reflect who we are in Jesus. Remember, all of creation is waiting for you to be revealed as the sons of, of God, the daughters of God. The whole of creation is waiting And how do we reveal ourselves as sons and daughters of God? It's the things that we do. It's the things that we say. It's how we live our lives. We were provoked earlier by Kev who brought this word about our devotion to God. That's how we reveal that we are children of God. What does your life look like? Who are you? Don't be led astray. Don't be led astray by fear. Don't be led astray by temptation and sin. We're all susceptible to being led astray. We all are. None of us, without exception, we are all susceptible to it. And maybe there's times when we are led astray and we do make mistakes and we do fall into temptations. But you know the faithfulness and the goodness of God is that he is there 
willing us on saying, come to me, children. I love you. I want to forgive you. I want to make you whole. I want you to know what it is to be my children. I want to lavish my love upon you. Don't do this on your own because you can't do this on your own. I'm willing for you. I want you to fulfill the destiny and purposes that I have for you. All these plans and dreams that I have for you. I want you to fulfill that. And as parents, we can know that for our own children. But what is it for God? Who sent his only begotten son to die for us because he loved us so much. Do you know who you are? Well, today I hope you can say with a fresh wave of conflict for conviction, I am a child of God. I have a purpose. I am loved and accepted. I am holy. I am being transformed. This is who you are. Don't be led astray. Let your heart be filled with God's transforming love. Let your heart long to know your heavenly Father more deeply. And maybe today you feel like, I have lost something of that. And I want to come back to God. I want, I'm, I'm reminded of God's goodness and faithfulness. And I want to know what that is to live in that way once again. Know your Father's arms and wide open. We're ready and willing you on. Maybe today you've come and you've never said to Jesus, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to come and help me and guide me. I want to, know, I want to be forgiven for, for rejecting you and trying to live my life the way I thought was right. But now I realize, God, that that you have a great plan and purpose for me and I, and I want to live for you in your kingdom. And if you want to pray that this morning, um, I would love to pray with you. Some of us other leaders here, we would love to pray with you and, and help you along that journey of what does it look like to, to live as a child of God. So can we have the band up? And we'll respond with a just worshipping God. So this is an opportunity for all of us, really, to remind ourselves who God is to us. Who are you in God? Do you know who you are? Remind yourself that you are a child of God, that you do have a purpose. Don't be led astray by fear. Don't be led astray by temptations and sin. But if we are, God is good and gracious and kind and forgiving.